Hey everyone, welcome to V1 Church. My name is Mike Signorelli and I'm the lead pastor and I would just wanna take a second and sincerely invite you into true fellowship with our church. If you're a guest, hopefully you're being made welcome in the comments right now by someone that may seem random now but may end up becoming a family member for a lifetime if you give them a chance. So why don't we just drop a comment right now in the chat, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, and just welcome everybody, welcome them home. As a matter of fact, one of the most important things you can do now is become a digital evangelist. There's people that uh, simply will not come into a church building, but we can bring church right into their phone. I was telling our team just minutes ago about how our cell phone has become the church van of the 21st century. Century. And um, Julie and I used to drive the church van of our local church uh, straight up into some really scary places because we had a desire to bring people who would not have access any other way. And this morning I told my wife, I said, you know, the cell phone has really become the church van of the 21st century. In other words, people who may not have any other way to receive the word of God can receive it right now if you'll hit the share button. If you're watching on YouTube, I dare you to hit the thumbs up and subscribe uh, because it tells YouTube you better work for Jesus. This algorithm's gonna help people get set free. So go ahead and do that now and open up your Bibles. We're kicking off a new teaching series and this collection of talks I'm going to give is about how God wants to create a movement through your life individually and collectively. And I wanna take you through some scriptures today and really help you get a profound revelation about how God wants to use you individually because you know there's a reason why you survived to see today, but then also um, why God is going to use you collectively. In other words, as we're in the second part of this series, understanding that uh, we don't pray my will, we pray thy will be done. And uh, when Jesus taught us how to pray, actually, he never used the word my or me. He actually used the word us and we. And God has connected you to something greater. As a matter of fact, it's impossible to stand next to a water fountain and not get wet. And so if you are blessing what God is blessing on the earth, the overflow of that is going to take you and your family from glory to glory to glory. And so this is an incredible series. Part one jumped off. And I'm telling you, I was going through the comments and watching people from all around the world get uh, just such a, a powerful understanding of their purpose and their destiny in life. And I want to talk to you today about vision. And so if you're a note taker, go ahead and get out your notebook. If you have a V1 Church mobile app, understand that the notes are in there and they're already typed out ready for you. And you can add to them as well because we are a church that believes that discipleship happens through the Sunday sermon just as much as it happens uh, through connect groups as well. And so let's eat today and feast on the word of God. Uh, I want everybody to say May 16th. May 16th is a defining moment for our church. May 16th is going to be a Sunday where we are going to stand in the valley of decision and we are going to ask the question, what do we believe is possible in our lifetime? May 16th is going to be a Sunday where as V1 Church members around the world and here in New York, we ask the question, what do we believe God can do through us? May 16th is a day that we tell fear no and faith yes. May 16th is coming, so make sure that you are preparing the soil of your soul for May 16th. As a matter of fact, we kicked off last week, Monday, a journey um, of faith, of growing our faith, of growing our relationship with God. And we've asked you as a church to just spend one minute every single day praying, one minute engaging with God. For some of you, that's a recommitment. And for some of you, uh, it's a, a very first time creating the habits of a true disciple. Uh, I love classes for discipleship, but if you don't have a habit, the class will end and so will your Bible reading. 
But if you have a habit, that can last you a lifetime. And so as a church, I want you to engage on a daily basis to say, I'm committing myself to pray every day, to read the Bible every day. I'm committing myself to hear from God on a daily basis because what happens on May 16th has got to be not a man talking to you on a microphone, but the Holy Spirit divinely talking to you about what he would require you to do. So May, May 16th is two weeks from now, and it's a very important Sunday, so mark your calendars. Um, I, want you to, I want you to understand that God has a vision for your life. Uh, you have a vision for your life, um, but God has a vision for your life. And God gives momentum wherever he gives vision. Everyone has momentum in their life, and it's either negative momentum or it's positive momentum. You know, a 150-ton train at full speed can break through a six-foot concrete wall. But at a standstill, that same train, you could put a little block in front of it, and it will prevent it from moving. And so momentum is something that we need to learn how to harness and generate in our lives. Everything is subject to change. I need you to understand this. Your kids are going to change right before your eyes. Before the pandemic, I had a girl, and now Bella is a woman. <laughs> and I don't know how it happened, but everything's subject to change. Your finances are subject to change. That's why we don't put our hope in our jobs. My wife and I had to make a very difficult decision years and years ago about where she was going to uh, spend her life and her time. Because how many of you know time is not like money because you can get more money, but you cannot get more time. And we made a decision that she was gonna leave her job to go into full-time ministry. Did you know that six months after that decision, every single person in her previous job was fired from their position and she would have lost her job if she would have held on to it anyways. Everything is subject to change. So when we talk about building momentum, we ought not put our trust in man. We ought not put our trust in our job, the things that can change, even in our identity of being a parent. Guess what, your children are a temporary assignment. Don't believe me? Live long enough. You'll see it. They're gonna leave you no matter how good of a house you set up. And I know this because I'm telling my wife, I'm gonna try to keep my daughters with me forever. And she says, that's toxic and codependent. You're gonna have to give them away. Everything is subject to change. And what we have to do is change our attitude in alignment with God's word. Galatians chapter six, verse seven. Let's read this together. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. There's a lot of deception in the earth. There's a lot of lies. And oftentimes the greatest lies sound just like the truth. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Why does that scripture in Galatians chapter six, verse seven start with this introductory phrase, do not be deceived? It's because there are gonna be people who believe the lie that they can actually get something without giving something. They're gonna be people who believe the lie that the principle of sowing and reaping does not apply to them. But guess what? It's a universal principle and you cannot be deceived. Whatever you sow is what you reap. Let me just give you some evidence to help build to this. If you give somebody an ugly look on the road, you will reap an ugly look back. If you cut somebody off, you best believe they will cut you off back. Um, you push somebody, they probably will push you back. Life has a way of reminding us of the principle of sowing and reaping, so do not be deceived. I don't know about you, church, but I want to sow the very thing that I want to reap. I want to give the very thing that I want to get. And we're often not taught how to do that in life. Let me talk about the vision of V1 Church for a moment. Because this vision is very simple. Our vision is to plunder hell and not to populate heaven because we know that that's our final destination, but to populate the planet with heaven's citizens to do the things that politicians are not getting done. 
The vision of V1 Church is to literally stand in the gap between heaven or between earth and hell and to pull people out of the flames. And I want the dream team to smell like smoke after every Sunday. And I come on, on Monday through Saturday, I want the people of V1 Church to smell like smoke in a Walmart because they're standing between earth and hell, pulling people out of the clutches of darkness to into the marvelous light. And we're going to populate earth with heaven's citizens and we're going to do it one chain breaking moment at a time. The vision of V1 Church is that you are not safe if you are Satan or any of his minions anywhere on the planet. If you think you're going to get away with trafficking humans, not if somebody from V1 Church lives in the neighborhood. If you think that you're going to get away with orphaning children and not taking care of them, no, not if there's a V1 Church person in that region. If you think you're going to get away with lying to them and convincing them that religion is the only thing you have access to to get to the Father. Oh no, it's not by works, it's by faith and grace alone that we behold him face to face because we are gonna be a conduit to take people past religion into relationship. The vision of V1 Church is very simple. We are disciples who make disciples who make disciples and we don't need a class or a program. We have a command from Jesus Christ so we do it anywhere, anytime, any place. That's who we are. It's not what we do. It's an identity. The vision of V1 Church is that if you've got a demon, we've got the authority to cast it out. If you've got a sickness or a disease, we have the power to cure it through Jesus' name. If you're in need, we know how to teach you how to be generous so that you can receive in the area that you give. We teach people how to get free. We teach people how to unify. We don't gossip. We prophesy. Come on, I wish somebody heard me. We understand we're not deceived. We're not mocking God. Whatever a man sows is what he reaps. And if we need something, our need becomes our seed and our seed becomes our harvest. And what you're seeing through your screen right now is the harvest from four years. What about 40? Come on. And I don't want Jesus to come back. I'm having too much fun kicking the devil in his face. I, I, you know, people like Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. No, no, no. Hang out a little bit. I'm having fun running roughshod over every single spirit that tried to take me out. And I want to raise up not an audience, but an army through V1 Church. I ain't trying to escape. The devil's trying to run, not us. The kingdom has been for too long on the defensive but the only way that you score points is by going on the offensive. Come on, that's the vision. And I want you to understand because we're getting closer and closer in this series to this day. And I just want to speak vision to you. We're not just building worship centers. We are actually opening up orphanages. If I ask any secular, humanistic, entrepreneurial megastar in the world, do you want a partner to open up a physical orphanage? They'd say, man, I might consider that. That's such a lofty endeavor. How much more a spiritual orphanage? Because the Bible says, don't fear the man that can kill your body, but rather the one who kills the soul. In other words, how much more a spiritual orphanage? Psalm chapter 68, verse five through six says, he is a father to the fatherless. He gives justice to the widows and he is holy. Verse six says, he gives families to the lonely. He gives families to the lonely. V1 Church has become a prophetic fulfillment of Psalm chapter 68, verse five and six. He is a father to the fatherless. How do you think he's gonna do it, homie? You think He's gonna do it through you. You are the hands and the feet of Jesus. So if he's gonna be a father to the fatherless, you better start inviting somebody to your house for a watch party and give them a hug and say, you think this hug is from me, but I'm an actual extension of the heavenly father. The Holy Spirit in me is is fathering you through this moment right now. Who do you think he's going to use? He's going to use you. Jesus himself said, hey, it's better that I go away. Why? Because now you have a job. And the world's been looking at the church for so long because they understand this principle so much more than we do. He's a father to the fatherless. He gives justice to the widows. How, how is he going to do it through you? He gives families to the lonely. How is God going to give families to the lonely? Through your invitation, through your encouragement, through your comment, through you opening up your connect group. 
and, and mothering people that would never have a mother any other way. He's going to do it through you. This is how God creates movements. It's, it's he moves and then we move in response. He did his part. When he cried out loud on the cross, it is finished. That was the end of his assignment and the beginning of yours. Does anybody hear me today? When he said it is finished, he didn't mean you're done. He meant I'm done so that you can start. Tag, you're it. And the way that he does it is through us. V1 Church has become a diverse church. It's become a church diverse in age, in race, in socioeconomic status. It's even become diverse globally. It's starting to look a little bit more like heaven every single week as he makes a family out of those who had no family. I want to give you guys three goals that I have as your lead pastor. Can I be real bold? Because this church was started on a real bold, bold, bold proclamation. Goal number one is that we're going to engage this altitude and we are going to go fly higher. How many of you know that when you take an airplane into the 20,000 foot realm, the air is thinner and the fuel economy gets a little bit better? I'm just going to tell you as a church that is getting ready to launch locations nationally, a church that's already multi-site in the region of New York, we've been flying at an altitude where there's a lot of turbulence. It's hard renting. It's hard being literally subservient to the person whose name is on the deed of the building because they're not a believer. And I believe that goal number one is that in the next 24 months, we are gonna raise $900,000 to 1.1 million, somewhere within that range, and we are gonna flip the script on the enemy, and we're gonna put roots down on Long Island, and we are gonna buy a building. I believe it, in the next two years. Goal number two, meanwhile, while this is happening, we are going to relaunch Queens. I live in Queens. And I've, I've kept my post in that neighborhood and I know I, every day I wake up and breathe and speak in tongues and pray and declare and prophesy in my neighborhood. I know I'm, the enemy's intimidated. He'd love for me to move out of there, but I've set myself in Queens because I believe in the vision for our city campus. Meanwhile, we are going to launch V1 Church, Indiana. We're going to do it. And we are gonna go from regional to national with physical locations. That's just goal number two. And, and I know that sounds crazy, but the kingdom was never advanced by mediocre minds who bend their knees to fear. It was always advanced by people who said, if I'm going to be a fool, I'd be, I'd be a fool for Christ. Goal number three, in the next 24 months, we're going to locate a building that I believe this global pandemic and economic downturn and all the fear mongering has produced this situation where people are leaving New York. We're about to embed and we're going to find a building that I believe God has preordained for our church. A building that when, they, when the builders were building it, they didn't realize they were building a church. But, but God knew what they were doing. Because the Bible says that, that God will allow the wealth of the wicked to be stored up just to transfer it to the righteous. And so I'm believing for a transfer to take place. I don't just believe in miracles. I live by them. I don't just believe in miracles, I live by them. And for far too long, for maybe the last hundred or so years in many denominations, miracles have just been a rare occurrence. Well, a miracle is not an event at V1 Church, it's a lifestyle. We live by miracles. And, and can I just remind you, if you read the book of Deuteronomy, if you read the book of Numbers, if you read the book of Joshua, it didn't just take two miracles to get them out of Egypt and slavery and into the promised land. It took a lifestyle of miracles. And so as a church, people say, oh man, you guys are radical. You believe in miracles. No, no, we don't believe in miracles. We live by miracles. I breathe miracles. I speak miracles. I sleep and dream miracles. I wake up in miracles manifest all around me. Matthew chapter six, verse 22 says this. I'm gonna go deeper. Can I go deeper into this? Because this is like burning in me. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I wanna talk to you about vision. Because the Lord has to give you vision. 
People forget that the scriptures actually say that the Holy Spirit, in the book of John, it says you'll receive the Holy Spirit, the advocate, and the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, even revealing the future. But for far too long, Christians have believed the only way we can have access to future knowledge is if we read some sort of book that was written by a man and we've circumvented the Holy Spirit. We've actually tried to get access to knowledge about the future without the very one that Jesus promised would tell us future events. When I was in 2012 living in my house in Indiana, it was the Holy Spirit who told me to go to New York. And then when I got to New York and we launched this church, it was the Holy Spirit who told me, son, now it's time to go to Queens. And we launched Queens. It was the Holy Spirit who revealed to me future knowledge and said, go to an evening location, create more capacity because I want to use you to steward more souls. It was the Holy Spirit who told me to begin to live stream through the confirmation of my wife's word. It's the Holy Spirit that will tell you future events. And I'm so sick and tired of the gurus. I'm so sick and tired of those that that believe that the only way we can get future knowledge is by an educated guess. Well, there are spaces in the supernatural that education can't take you. We don't need a hypothesis. We need the voice of the Holy Spirit prophesying and declaring to us Number one in your notes is get focused. If your eye is good, the scriptures say your whole life will be good. If your eye is bad, your whole body is bad. Your life is set by your vision. What you see is what you get. Isn't it funny how people could be in the same neighborhood and one person says, I see a dump and the other person says, I see paradise if I compare it to where I came from. So many times I've taken Christians to other places around the world and it's changed their perspective. And so they get into a Roma village in the outskirts of, of Ukraine, and the Ukrainian cities, and we get up into the mountains and they see these people and the way they live. And the only thing that changes is their eye. They're seeing the same thing, but their perspective changes. You see differently based on where you come from in your perspective and our life is a fulfillment of our vision your vision is your future and so when I showed up to New York and pastor said you'll never get anybody to wake up at four and five in the morning to set up a church I said what you see is what you get but what I see is what I'm going to get and I will not bend my knee to that vision because I see something else it says if the eye is bad the whole body is in darkness I just got blood test results a couple weeks ago and they said every aspect of my body, my organs, my hormones is in perfect health. Why? Because I've created these healing spaces where I said, I see a healer that defies medical technologies. I see a great physician that can still touch and heal bodies. And even as I was a conduit for other people's healings, I believe that I was saturated in an environment of healing myself. It's impossible to stand next to the fountain of the goodness of God and not be totally drenched by that same healing power. What you sow is what you reap. And so when it comes down to give money, don't nobody have to challenge me to give in the offering. I know that it's impossible for me to financially support what God is blessing and not be blessed because I connected myself with what he's already provisioned. Our life is a fulfillment of our vision. Joshua chapter three, verse three says, giving orders to the people when you see the Ark of the Covenant. Somebody say, when you see it. It says, Joshua, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, you'll know which way to go since you've never been this way 
way before. Listen, confusion turns into clarity when you open up your eyes to see the presence of the Lord moving before you. It says when you see the Ark of the Covenant, can I make that the, the new covenant? When you, when, you, when you see the Holy Spirit moving in your midst, when you see baptisms happening in bathtubs at watch parties, when you see people flooding at the different places and praying in parking lots, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, begin to move, follow the Ark, follow the presence, because I'm gonna take you where you've never been before. And I'm not romanticizing the past, I am ransoming the future right now. Right now I'm stepping into it because my eye sees what God's doing. What do you see as the vision? Do you see light or do you see dark? Do you see positive or do you see negative? Are you mad because we just caught a whole bunch of fish and our nets are broken? Or are you glad that we caught a whole bunch of fish? Do you know that that spirit of Jonah will enable you to have the gifting and the talent to cause a whole nation to awaken to the presence of God. And you'll have Ninevites on their knees before the Lord repenting for the sin, but you'll be ticked off because it didn't happen the way you thought it was gonna happen. What do you see? What do you see? There's always gonna to have to be a choice between the positive and the negative. Some of you might see sickness in your old age. Some of you may have just adopted the vision of what you saw your parents go through. Oh, everybody in my family's died prematurely, so I'm gonna die prematurely too. Everybody in my family's had heart disease, so I'm gonna have heart disease too. Everybody in my family's been poor, so I'm gonna be poor too. You may have no vision of the blessing and the prosperity of God, but Job chapter 31 verse one says this, Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl because he understood that what you see is what you get. I, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. He had to change his vision because he knew that if I change my vision, I'll change what manifests in my life. Fear is vision for what you don't want. Fear is vision for what you don't want and it's powerful. You know, recently I had a friend, we were texting, and he took his daughter to the dentist. <laughs> and he sent me this video of her, man, it was her first dentist visit, and she's in that chair, and she's got the bib, you know, and all that, and they're going in, and she's just smiling away. And I messaged him back, I said, man, I am so mad at you, because I've got a seven-year-old that you would have thought that we brought her to the dentist to torture her. Like, people thought that, like, literally, they were pulling all her teeth out, and they were just trying to clean them. And, and he said, well, listen, there's some wisdom here. He said, I was, if you look at the video, I was standing next to my daughter, and she was watching me for my response to what was happening. And, and he said, I refused to show my daughter fear and she was acting in reaction to my disposition. And so sometimes you'll be like, God, why aren't you freaked out? Why would you ask for the tithe? Why would you say give 10% or more of your income to the local church? Aren't you afraid? And God's like, no, keep your eyes on me. I'm not afraid. I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. I want to open up the windows of heaven. You are a movement maker. Don't expect me to act like you because I'm the father and you're the child. And sometimes we say, God, aren't you afraid of this physical condition? God, aren't you afraid that this is Long Island and churches don't buy buildings and they're only four and five years old? Aren't you intimidated by this? And God says, you keep your eyes on me and I'll show you how to act through this situation. Be confident in me. Be confident in what I can do. Be confident in what's available to you as my child. What do you see? What you see and what you meditate on is what you begin to move towards. Watch this, Job chapter three, verse 25 says, that which I feared has come upon me. Job says, that which I have feared has come upon me. Job is the oldest recorded book of the Bible. There's some ancient wisdom in Job because Job was grappling with vision. 
and he was saying, I've got to covenant with my eyes not to lust after a woman because that will produce a reality. But then he knew in chapter three, verse 25, that he began to move into the wrong area of vision because it produced the thing that he feared. It's almost like when you're driving in traffic and you try to read the bumper sticker on the car in front of you, the more closely you examine that bumper sticker, the higher the likelihood you're gonna hit that bumper. <laughs> Have you ever had that moment where you're looking at the bumper sticker in front of you and you're like, whoa, I almost just ruined my life right now. And oftentimes we focus so much on lack. We focus so much on poverty. We focus so much on fear. We focus so much on sickness that we hit the very thing that we focus on. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 29, we have Peter walking on water. His vision changes and then the miraculous begins to dissipate around him. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. So here's the opposite. Proverbs chapter four, verse 20 and 21. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Isn't it interesting that the wisdom of God, it says, hey, listen to it, but then don't keep it out of your sight because you can hear the word, but if you don't have the word incorporated into your vision, then you're still going to miss the access to the power that you have. It says, don't let them out of your sight. And it's like the Bible says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but a doer also. You do the things that you see, not just the things that you hear. So it says, don't let them out of your sight but what's filling your eyes and your ears is filling your heart and then what is in your heart is determining the very course of your life Genesis chapter 13 verse 14 the Lord said to Abraham lift up your eyes once you see it you can't unsee it <laughs> Abraham lift up your eyes then in Genesis chapter 15, verse six, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Watch, when you see and believe, then God begins to credit to you. No matter where Abraham looks, he sees and is reminded of the vision. The stars, the sand, the north, the south, the east, the west. And it's crazy to think about this, but God said, Abraham, lift up your eyes. I'm about to show you something. Habakkuk chapter two, verse two. Now this is a big point. It says, write the vision down. Some don't want to write things down because then you'll have to be committed to it. It's not enough just to see it. Number two in your notes is write it down. Write it down. Can you imagine if you went to your kids and you said, hey, hey, did you do your homework? And they said, no, uh, yeah, I did, I did my homework. I, I just didn't write it down. Let me see it. Well, I, I did, I, I just wrote it down. You've gotta budget your finances in a way that includes vision from God. Oh yeah, yeah, I did my finances. I just didn't write it down. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. God wants to give vision for your finances. God wants to give vision for everything in your life, but you've got to partner with him by writing it down. Only 3% of the people that hear messages like this actually write their goals down, but among those 3%, 95% achieve the goals they wrote down. Did you hear that? People who are exposed to messages like this, only 3% of them say, okay, I'm gonna write it down. And among those 3% that write down the vision, 95% accomplish them. If I could take you back on a, uh, on a, like a journey through my diary, I have a one-year planner. And in my one-year planner, I write down the vision for my family, for my life. And it's, I've seen this reality. I've seen this reality. And it gets to the point where whenever I partner with God to see, it almost feels like, wow, why did I not write more down? Why did I not believe for bigger? Jesus himself said, it is written. 
Satan, it is written. And so if you want to defend yourself against the attacks of the enemy, write your budget down. Satan, it is written. I'm not gonna give more money to a multinational alcohol company and a tobacco industry than I do to build the kingdom. It is written. I've got vision from you and it is written. And what I wrote into my budget is kingdom building. And if I build your kingdom, if I put you first, then all these things will be added unto me. Number three, this is my last thing. You gotta start speaking it. But when you start speaking it, you say, I only say what my father says. Jesus said, it is written, but then he said, I only say what my father says. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Whoever says to this mountain, so you've gotta get the vision. You've gotta get it from your eyes, how you see. Then you've gotta get it written down it is written and then you've got to get the vision in your mouth Joshua said the law shall not depart from my mouth Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says if you confess so how how can it be so to speak the negative but it's strange to people if you speak faith you ever notice that if you become a complainer, everybody will agree with you. But when you start to speak faith, you're gonna need another circle to go to another level. Because when you complain and you speak negatively, when the pastors on Long Island told me what couldn't be done here, they all agreed with each other. And because they all agreed with each other, they felt a camaraderie. You better be careful when everybody's agreeing with you because they're probably agreeing for the wrong reason. When people say, can you believe that church thinks they're gonna raise a million dollars in two years? You're not giving money to that church, are you? You better be careful with those who agree with you because it's typically people who hate their lives and want you to hate yours with them. That's why Job said, I've got a covenant with my eyes. I've got to choose because I've got friends who are not a friend to my destiny. I've got a friend who's not a friend to my purpose. When you start saying, man, I have a vision for a great year, people are thinking, you're weird. When you say, hey, I've got a vision that we're going to do this and we're going to start to build these orphanages, these physical buildings where we have church. People say, well, it's a bad time to have a stewardship campaign. Everybody's losing their job. We'll talk to the people that have committed their life to this and are making more money right now in the midst of the pandemic than they did before it. Once you try God's ways, you'll see that his way work. But it does not happen without faith. It's impossible to please him without faith. Your vision has to include these five things. Number one, believe it's God's will. That's Ephesians chapter five. Number two, your vision must include something that you're passionate about. Jesus turned over tables because he had so much zeal and so much passion to bring the real heart of God into, into worship. He was passionate. He turned over tables. If you don't have a passion for it, man, you better not call it your vision. Could nobody stop me from moving to New York to plant a church? Could nobody talk me out of it? And nobody's gonna talk me out of the next phase because I have passion. I was preaching at a church in East Chicago and I stayed back and I prayed for hundreds of people for over four hours. And when I met them for dinner, these young men I was sitting with, they were like, man, Pastor Mike, you really convicted us because three hours in, we were like, you have not moved your position. And I said, I'm so passionate about seeing each and every one of those people get free. My vision is freedom and I'll stay all day. What an honor to serve God's people. Number three, your vision must include a challenge that you cannot do on your own. You'll never find excitement in your life that you are capable of on your own. Have a vision beyond yourself. Give us our daily bread. Why? Because it's easy to provide for yourself. It becomes much harder to provide for everyone around you. So Jesus is like, when you pray, keep the vision big. And I'm just telling you straight up, I am casting crazy vision because if you can believe it for V1 Church, you can believe it for yourself. Sometimes watching what happens here becomes the catalyst for you to say, God, do it through my life. Do it through my life. Your vision has to be crazy. 
And I'm not talking about just tithing, 10%. I'm not talking about that. I don't think that there is a Jew in the first century that would have interpreted the new covenant as a dismissal of 10% as a base level. You can't say cheerful giving as all we give cheerfully and any Jew in the first century think that that's less than 10%. There's just no way around it because cheerful gets into the realm of of sacrificial real quick. Cheerful is like, I ain't even worried about it. When you're at the bar and you're cheerfully giving your friends, you're ordering everybody around. You're not even thinking about the fact that you just spent your rent money. That's cheerful, am I right? And I'm standing in a venue that used to be a bar and people would give to each other in extravagance. How many of you know that when we turn a bar into a church, we're gonna bring true kingdom extravagant giving into this place and we're gonna say, come on, let's go. I ain't even worried about it. Number, number four, specific goals and accomplishments. It has to be specific. That's why I said that we are, we are looking to say, God, in the next 24 months, can we raise somewhere between 900,000 to 1.1 million? Can we become movement makers? Can we just get into this next step? It's specific. Number five, it must include results and rewards that bless people outside of your family. You cannot live for yourself. It's not, Lord, bless me. Lord, bless my wife. Bless my two kids. Us four no more. It's gotta be God. Let this be a blessing that extends so far outside the borders of our family. You know what I wanna see? I wanna see people come into the V1 Church building that I'll never know their name, I'll never know their family, but I know because of what I pledged, because of what I gave, because of what I supported, their family is safe forever. This thing is so much bigger than the Signorelli family. It's so much bigger than me. And that's the posture that we have about vision. Now, I know that what I just taught you in the last 35, 40 minutes is very scandalous because the world says, look out for yourself. The world says, what's your dream, not our dream? The world says, take care of your family, protect yourself. It's why the toilet paper disappears. Nobody went during this pandemic to go buy toilet paper for someone else's family because our default human nature is look out for ourselves. But when the gospel transforms you, you step into another dimension. You step into a spiritual dimension. And then you say, I am not bound by the laws of the flesh anymore. I'm not bound by the concerns of the flesh. I am not full of fear. I am full of faith. And then you begin to speak and declare and move and say, all of us are going together across the finish line. We are movement makers. So I want you to do this. Take the next 30 seconds right now. Take the next 30 seconds right now. Because a movement is always made by those who will step out of their comfort zone. Begin to listen to the Holy Spirit. Begin to listen to what He's saying to you. Because this vision that you have, I want your eyes to see what I see. I want you to see V1 Queens filling up with people. I want you to see V1 Indiana filling up with people. I want you to see V1 Long Island just exceeding our goal financially. I want you to see you being a part of something and saying, wow, I was the one that was most hurt by church, but now I brought people into the true ecclesia, the true body of Christ. I was the one that was an atheist and an agnostic. I was the one who said God didn't exist, but now I'm the, I'm the one showing them his miraculous power through my life because the movement is never going to happen through the ones that you expect the most it's going to happen by those who are least likely it's going to happen by the ones that say nobody would ever see this coming but that's what's going to make it miraculous every single week we broadcast to over 20 different nations from this stage And everybody on this stage with me right now is the least likely to be a part of something like this, but that's exactly how God works. So what's he saying to you? My mother at one point was just a single mother with five kids being supported by the government and she worked at Subway. I don't know if you know what Subway is. And my mom would leave us at home to go to Subway and make sandwiches for other people and trying to pay the bills. But she had a vision. And we wrote that vision down. I've got 
pieces of paper still from journals from 1998 where we wrote down a vision to believe for a, a church. Didn't know where, didn't know how, didn't know when, but we knew what. We knew the vision. And all these years later, we keep going from glory to glory. And see, I just, so many times, I've seen people get in this space and the Lord wants to deliver you from doubt, deliver you from fear, deliver you from the voice of torture and condemnation that tells you it's not possible. He wants to set you free because guess what? He says, I can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can think, ask, or imagine. You, through you. Let's pray right now. I just want you to close your eyes wherever you're watching. If you're at a watch party, if you're just sitting alone right now, Father, I pray for every single person that's watching right now, for those that desperately need the scales to fall off of their eyes and for their vision to be released. I, can, I, can I just do what I feel led to do? Right now, I just wanna do some warfare in your home because I've met theologians that are afraid to give money. It's a spirit of fear. It's not how you interpret scripture. If you're not generous, you're not like God. God is generous. And, and so don't wrap the Bible around something that in, in, its, in its base level is, it's not bad theology. It's actually a spirit of fear. I've, I've seen people say, well, I just can't do it, but they're already living behind their means. And you got guys like Dave Ramsey who have made careers off of telling people, give your car back because you've adopted the American dream, not God's dream. And so we're not gonna tell God in heaven, I can't do it your way because I'm doing it uncle. I don't want uncle Sam, I want father God. And sometimes you gotta be willing to tell uncle Sam, shut up so that you can hear the voice of father God. And right now I just cancel every assignment of the enemy upon your life. I rebuke every spirit of fear right now. I rebuke and bind every spirit of fear and command you to loose the people of God and let them go in this area. We will step in and we will not bend or bow our knee to fear in the name of Jesus I release freedom over every single person right now freedom to be their God designed God designed you to be generous God designed you to be a visionary God designed you to push past mediocrity there's greatness coming outside of you through surrender right now and fear is going to bow in Jesus name amen Amen. Come on, let's sing this song. Come on, just worship. Stand up on your feet wherever you're at. Come on, tell them. Come on, bask in your freedom. Now is the time. Feel that? That's a breakthrough. That's a breakthrough. Because what's at stake is your identity. Your identity. You're not combative and argumentative and full of fear and, and always, that's not, your, that's not your identity. Your identity is full of faith and joy in the Lord. Your identity is that you give. Your identity is that you're blessed to be a blessing to other people. Your identity is you have wisdom and knowledge and revelation from heaven. Your identity is that when you speak, it aligns with God's will and manifests in your life. That's who you are. The true you is what's at stake right now. Does somebody else feel that freedom? I feel that. Come on, just begin to sing it out, Steph. Come on, everybody, just continue to worship. You're a movement maker.
Okay, let me teach you what it means to be a disciple. To be a disciple means to commit, to take action. I wish that being a disciple was just like sit down and listen. No, it's get up and do. I'll teach you as you do it. I want somebody watching right now to commit. Here's what I mean. The greatest discipleship tool we have is our mobile app. Because in that mobile app, there's an opportunity to give. There's an opportunity to read the notes from this sermon and go deeper in the word and go through those scriptures throughout this week and feast on it. I want you to commit, download the V1 Church mobile app right now. And I want you to do something. Get up and do, act on this word right now. I want you to, if you're a mother or a father, I want you to get your family together. If, if you are watching this at home and you say, we're gonna write down the budget and we are gonna build the kingdom with our lives. I'm gonna lead you in this way. Cast vision to your family. Speak to them. Even if they're little kids, you can speak vision into them. Now tell them what's getting ready to happen. I want you to get up and do. I want you to act on this word because I feel a freedom right now over this place. I get messages every week from people who are like, Pastor Mike, I turned off reoccurring giving because I was afraid. And the moment I turned it back on, I got a promotion. I hear the stories every single week and it's not a choice between blessings and cursings. It's a choice literally between the blessing of the Lord that comes through faith or fear. You can do whatever you want, but I'm just saying it's not about blessings and cursings, it's about fear or faith. I choose faith. Somebody say, I choose faith. Somebody comment right now, I choose faith. I choose faith. And I pray not if, but when God does through V1 Church, the miraculous, through this movement makers, I pray that other pastors that are bound in doubt and fear begin to watch our story and say, I didn't know that was possible because it's not about disunity. It's about the unity of because I saw it possible for them, it's possible for me too. Did you know that you have loved ones who are watching you? And as you step out in faith, once the Lord does it in your life, they're gonna be like, I didn't know that was possible. I wanna know that God. I wanna know that God. Father, right now, as we close out this service, Lord, I pray that we would not stop seeking, knocking, asking, acting on your word, God. We are a church of visionaries. We are a church of visionaries, full of faith, full of faith. And God, I just thank you in advance. I want to get this on video. <laughs> Let's just put this in the archives. I thank you in advance, God, that you are giving V1 Church buildings. I just want to put it in the archives. I'll go live. I'll put, you guys don't understand. I have a vision that I cannot fulfill. That's how I know it's from God. And so if you can't do that in your personal finances, you don't understand God yet. There's gotta be some room for the miraculous. That's why he said, hey, when you give sheep, it said, give the first and the best. Why? Because you've gotta give me the first and the best because there's no guarantee that the other ones are gonna work out. So tithing is not give God the leftover. Tithing is give him what's first and give him what's best with no guarantee. Now you've learned how to be a disciple. So I'm just gonna tell you right now, I believe that we've got it on film. I believe that we're gonna see a miracle. I believe that somebody's gonna be like, I'm the one who's gonna fund it. I'm the one that's gonna step up. I don't know if it's 20,000 people, $20 at a time, or it's one person for 1 million. All I know is that if it's God's will, it's God's bill, and I'm stepping up. I've committed my family to it. You commit your family to it, and then let's see God do his part. It's a lot like, going up to the Red Sea and thinking that your staff is what parted it. No, no, my, it's like, okay, God, I tithe here, now bless me. It's like, no, no, you just gave God back what's already his. You were just obedient, that's all. Now let him be the miracle worker so you can't take any credit. So I'm standing in front of the Red Sea and I'm believing for orphanages in the form of buildings so that we can expand the ministry. Father, I thank you for everybody who's watching live right now. Bless those who shared this broadcast. Bless those who gave. 
bless God those who took notes and feasted on your word today and it deepened their soul and challenged them. Bless the disciples that are stepping into true obedience. Bless all those that are putting their hands to build your kingdom. Bless those praying mamas. Bless those dads who are stepping up to lead their family as a real man of righteousness. Bless us, God, to be a blessing. And Father, bring us back next week so that we can continue to build this movement. And everybody shouted. Everybody said, amen.